Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. I invite you to rise as you're able for our gospel reading. Today, it comes from the Gospel of Mark, the third chapter. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. And Jesus called to them and spoke to them in parables, saying, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came and standing outside they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So why does Jesus seem to be getting into so much trouble here? It seems that people are not happy with him. The religious authorities are upset They recognize that there is a very strong power in him, but they say that power is not of God, that power must be of the devil. And even his own family are really unhappy with him. No doubt they're worried for his safety when those in charge start to get upset with him. They're also honestly concerned that he's just gone a bit off the rails. They just want to take him home. Why are they so riled up? Well, up until this point in the Gospel of Mark, in two short chapters, a lot has happened. They think that Jesus has been hanging out with all the wrong people. He calls those disciples, and one of them is a tax collector, which really was one of the very worst sinners at the time. He's already touched a leper who were supposed to be untouchable. 
If you were here last week, you heard about him healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, which was breaking all kinds of rules that the religious authorities had set. Jesus is in trouble. Now, of course, this will not be the last time. His whole ministry becomes defined by widening that circle of who is part of the family of God, who actually belongs in the kingdom. And over and over again, he defies the rules and the norms and all those constructions of who should be in and who should be out. Instead, the kingdom that Jesus comes to bring is beautifully inclusive and diverse and it's full of those that the people in power say should actually be kept out. People who are excluded from their families or their places of worship or their dinner tables. After all, when Jesus teaches about who our neighbor is, he says it's not just the person who actually lives next door to you, who lives in your same neighborhood. He says, no, it's the Samaritan, the foreigner, who shows acts of loving kindness. He offers grace to a woman who's caught in adultery and says, Woe to you who cast the first stone. And he says, When you do this to the least of these, when you feed and clothe and visit and offer a cool drink to people who need it, you are offering hospitality to me. And he even says today, if you're anything like me, a little bit offensively to our, to our ears, and no doubt offensive to his mother and his brothers, he says, Who is my family? It's not only them, anyone who follows God, who dares to live in love. Anyone who is on this kingdom-building journey with me is my family. This is what kinship looks like, Jesus says. Jesus is in trouble. I wonder, though, if our concern shouldn't be so much with the question, why does Jesus keep getting in so much trouble? But instead, if we start asking ourselves, as people who claim to follow him, why aren't we getting ourselves into more trouble? If he's our savior, if he's our guide. Now the late, great John Lewis, civil rights hero, famously used the phrase, good trouble, encouraging others to stand for what's right and just, making sure that all voices are included, rooted in his faith, working for that day when everybody has a place at the table. What does it mean to really believe that our family is not just the people that we're closest to, who we're connected to, or who are like us, but every one of God's beloved children, especially those who may be excluded by the religious authorities or political leaders or even their own families? Over the last few days, the North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church gathered together. Uh, every year, a group of laity and clergy, over a thousand people, gather together to do the business of the church. Uh, but we also enjoy fellowship, worship of ordination, memorial services. Uh, we plan and dream and gather together. Last year and this year, unfortunately, those gatherings were virtual. We couldn't all be together in Athens like we usually are, uh, though we did have some small in-person services of commissioning and ordination and memorial service services where we could be together a little bit. We're going to share more about what happened at that gathering so you know about 
all that's going on in our North Georgia United Methodist family, um, including a beautiful sermon and introduction by our bishop. We'll send a video out of that and all that happened. Um, but the theme for the last few days uh, for the annual conference is love is making room. And it ties so beautifully to this scripture and is challenging to all of us as this text is. And we contemplated over the last few days, what does it mean for love to make room? And how can we do that more and more expansively? How do we truly understand and live into the family of God, make, table, make room at the table for all, live into that good news that love does make room? Well, there's a United Methodist congregation in Salem, Virginia, that I have long admired. A few years ago, they decided to start a second worship service, and they call it The Table. A person who is part of that congregation is a woodworker. We at our church have had and have many gifted woodworkers here. And one of the lay people who is a woodworker designed and constructed an altar table that's portable, so it's fairly lightweight, and the legs fold, fold in and under, and then the table folds, so it's easy and portable to carry around. So each Sunday, they have communion at their worship service. They gather around this table. They share in communion. They hear Jesus' words that all are welcome to eat and to drink in remembrance of him. They share that holy meal with one another. They remember those ancestors that have gone before them, those great saints that also share in that meal. And as always happens when Christians gather for communion, strangers become dining companions, and we all are neighbors around the table. And as this community does that, they remember that great truth that what we do in a church service, what we do around God's holy table, isn't just meant to stay in that moment, and then you come back and you do it the next week. They know that when Jesus shares a meal with us, bread and wine, food and love, forgiveness and mercy, he then calls on us to leave the walls of the church and to share in the very same things wherever we go throughout our week to let what happens on Sunday transform how we interact with all the places in the world that we encounter, to remember that the family of God isn't just confined to the people that we have church with. So, at the end of the service, after they've received their bread and their grape juice, they fold that table back up together, and someone in the congregation volunteers to take that table out into the world for the week to make a tangible witness for the gospel, and to share God's love just as they've experienced God's love in that moment. The spirit moves in the place uh, as someone goes out with the table. Now, one week, somebody may notice uh, that every day on the way to work, they see that there are day laborers at the Home Depot. It's July, it's blazing hot. So each morning, one of their lay people decided to set up the table there with some ice-cold water and just offer a drink and conversation for people who are thirsty. One week during an election season, there was a congregant who was passionate about getting out the vote. So she decided to take the table to a different location each week to help register people to vote. She went to a senior center and the library, a community college, a grocery store. Another week, a church member had heard about how some Kids in the local junior high were hungry. They got um, breakfast and lunch at school, but they were on their own for dinner. So each day set up the table outside the school full of sack meals uh, that volunteers from the church and that person's office had helped to compile and giving them away to anybody who needed them for dinner. 
This table goes to the Salem Dog Park, where they've got doggy treats and bottled water that they distribute, to the Salem Food Pantry and Clothes Closet, where bad lunches are handed out to the clients. They go to Kroger and collect canned soup and crackers that are donated by people who are in there shopping, and they give it to a local nonprofit. They go to a laundromat where they've got quarters and detergent and bottled water and snacks. One time the praise band even came and played while they were there with their table. And then on the next Sunday, whoever had the table out in the world during the week brings it back. They all together unfold it, put the legs back down, set it up for communion. And the person who took the table out shares what their experience was like that week, where they took the table, where and how they encountered God. And they have communion, somebody else takes the table out, and the cycle continues. It's hard to imagine that once they've met and talked with hungry teenagers or seniors who want to vote but need a ride to the polling place, witnessed day laborers with hopes of having money to feed their family, those encounters didn't just last for that week. They were no doubt transformed by encountering the God around the table in worship and then finding God's family out in the world expanding their understanding of kinship and kingdom building. And in its best form, this is what worship should do for us, what the sacraments of baptism and communion do for us. They help us live out our faith, not just here in the worship service, but out in the world, expanding the kinship of God. The late writer Rachel Held Evans says this in one of her books. The gospel doesn't need a coalition devoted to keeping the wrong people out. It needs a family of sinners, saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors, and shouting welcome. There is bread and wine. Come eat with us and talk. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy, she writes. It's a kingdom for the hungry. Today, we are going to gather around our communion table as hungry sinners. And as we do so, my hope and my prayer is that we are powerfully shaped by what happens here, inspired to go out of this place, seeing our family, our brothers, and our sisters, and our siblings all around us, especially in those we never would have thought to include before. Even if we're not literally taking this table out into the world, that would require a lot of strength training on our part. We do have a great feast to offer of grace and compassion and love and hope, of joy and justice and mercy, beloved family, of kinship. We can ask who seems that they're left out from power in my workplace or my school. Can I help give my sister a voice or my brother a place at the table? Ask who doesn't have access to food or water or shelter and why? Why is my sister hungry? Why is my brother homeless? Asking these questions in our own lives, in our communities, in our church. Because we'll find that when we start to really expand the table in tangible ways, it's not that we're going out and just benevolently offering transformation to others. We become transformed ourselves, opening our hearts and our minds and our experiences to an ever-widening community of God's people. And we will be the better and the more loving for it. For we will see the face of God in those we encounter. And give thanks that no matter who we are, how we fail or stumble, how unworthy we think we may be, we too are always, always welcomed at God's table.
When we start asking these questions and living our lives this way, friends, warning, we may get into trouble. We should probably all be getting into more trouble than we are. But it's going to be good trouble. Trouble in the name and the spirit of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Trouble for the sake of a kingdom where everybody's got a place at that heavenly banquet table. It's the place where strangers become friends, enemies become family, and nobody is ever hungry again. The best news is, friends, uh, friends God is going to trouble the waters. May we figure out how to be a part of it. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.